Welcome everyone to our service this morning. We welcome our visitors. Glad to have everyone here. We're glad to be here on another beautiful Sunday morning. I'd like to start out this morning with reading Psalm number 8. You'll notice on this psalm, and I noticed as I read over, it's, there's an anthem that we do. Yeah. O Lord our God, the majesty and glory of your name fills all the earth and overflows the heavens. You have taught little children to praise you perfectly. May their example shame and silence your enemies. When I look up into the night skies and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have made, I cannot understand how you can bother with mere puny man to pay attention to him. And yet you have made him only a little lower than the angels and placed a crown of glory and honor upon his head. You have put him in charge of everything you made. Everything is put under his authority. All sheep and oxen, wild animals, the birds and fish, all the life in the sea. O Jehovah, o Jehovah our Lord, the majesty and glory of your name fills the earth. Let's pray. Kind Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the privilege of meeting here this morning. We have to thank you for the many blessings that you have given us. We thank you also for our visiting minister this morning. We're welcoming him and his family to our Bethel Bear Creek. We ask you to forgive us our sins. In our name we ask it. Amen. We have several announcements here. We have a uh, thank you note from the Bridge to Recovery. Thank you for impacting lives through your generous donation, support, and prayers to your friends at the Bridge of Recovery. Also, we will have choir practice this week at 7 o'clock on Wednesday evening. And we do welcome to our church this morning into our pulpit, uh, Reverend Adam Furr. And Mrs. Furr, also welcome you. We look forward to your message this morning. Thank you very much for being with us this morning. Also, you have an insert in your uh, bulletin this morning concerning the Women's Supper and Auction coming up on March 11th on Saturday. Uh, you can invite someone. Maybe it will be a great success. Our flowers this morning, beautiful flowers of years, placed in honor of Jessica Love and her birthday. Happy birthday, Jessica. Could we sing happy birthday? Also, I think Denise uh, had a birthday this week. <laughs> Let's just sing happy birthday to everyone in February. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. We'll make it neutral that way anyway. Are there any other announcements this morning? Where the actual, the ultimate, actually, so if you want to make a dessert for us to serve with the dinner, there's a 
Anything else? Let's open our service this morning then in the hymn number 513. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Please stand.
of our children's store if they would like to come forward at this time, please. everybody else at? Somebody told me they were going to the mountains. Isn't that what we talked about, Charles? What else did we talk about in Sunday school? Do you remember? What did we color? Can you show everybody? While Charlie played, Miss Karen colored. But he colored too. So we're going to talk about faithful today. What did we say faithful means? Hudson, did you know? Did you learn in Sunday school today? Correct. So, of course, you know, I've got to look it up in the dictionary because I don't want to say something that's not right. Faithful. Remaining loyal and steadfast. Okay. True to facts or to something original. Faithful to God's word. His teachings throughout the Bible. So when you think of faithful, is faith faith something we see? No? So we have to just trust that what someone's telling us is right. Where's the good place to go to find things that would be something that we would have to think about and just using our faith with? Something that we learn from. We read it every day. The Bible. So, for our, we also learn it from our parents. People who teach us through their words and their actions. So, your Sunday school teachers. Just anybody in the church that you see every Sunday. The way they treat us and you. And the way that they act. And show that they're faithful in Jesus, Right? God's scripture is inspired by him to teach us what is true and help us to do what is right and know what is wrong. But if we forget sometimes and don't do what's wrong, God forgives us, doesn't he? When is God faithful to us? All the time. He is faithful in the good times. He's faithful in the bad times. He is faithful when we feel alone and when no one cares. God is always faithful. We should remain faithful to God, our family, and our friends. Okay? Does that sound like something easy to do? It is. Charlie says it's easy. But if it's not, we're going to rely on Jesus and God to help us, right? Okay. Let us pray. God, thank you for these children that are here with us today. Help us to remain faithful to you, our family, and our friends, as you have always been faithful to us. Bless us as we attempt to show others how to be faithful to you. And thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning that we can worship you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
guess everyone's woke up now. <laughs> Following the singing of our next song, number 492, we'll ask Reverend uh, to deliver his message this morning. Let's all stand and sing hymn number 492, Spirit of the Living God.
Well, good morning to you. It's good to be here with you. If you have your Bible, I ask you to turn to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, we're going to look at verses 10 through 17 today. Uh, it is good to be to be back with you. Um, uh, good to uh, to see, um, see many of you that uh, we don't get to see often. Um, it, my name is Adam. Uh, many of you know me. Some of you who don't, um, I had the privilege to serve here as the interim pastor uh, back in 2015 and 2016 for for about 10 months. And um, uh, it's a, for me, a, a fond experience um, and, and time. I uh, met some dear friends while, while I was here, um, many who still uh, ask about us and uh, and, and we, we just appreciate every time we come back the opportunity to to, to, to talk to you. And um, it's like you, you never left, right? You, you come back, and it's like you're coming back home. And um, we, I feel that way about about you all as well. Uh, it is it is good to be here. Um, I count Patrick as a friend and uh, a brother in the ministry. Uh, pray for him and the ministry that God has given him. Uh, here, uh, pray for him often, and pray for this church often as well. Um, we're going to look at, uh, at at Second Timothy uh, chapter three. It's always good to to uh, preach and have, have my wife with me. My wife Katie's here, um, and in a few months, we'll I'll be preaching and have a, a little girl uh, crying out and screaming out in the sermon. I look forward <laughs> to that too. Um, we're we're expecting our first child here uh, in June. My mom and dad are here and members of this church, and um, I, I can tell you that they have been blessed by the ministry of um, Bethel Bear Creek as well, and, and that God has used uh, this church in, in their lives in a, in a powerful way. Let me read the scriptures, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll get, uh, we'll get started here this morning. It says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses, and we'll read verses 10 through 17, you, however, have... Followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, Every good work. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning 
And we thank you for the privilege that it is to gather with the body of Christ. Lord, we are not here um, because of anything we've done. And we're not here um, for ourselves. We are here because you have called us out of this world, out of the darkness, into your marvelous light. You have brought us into the family of God. And so we come into this place today joyous, eager, Lord, to praise you, eager, Lord, to know more of you. And Lord, may may that be what this hour is. May this time that we have here this morning be a time for this church to turn its attention and its thoughts and its worship and its praise to you. Father, we we come to this time where the word is proclaimed and we thank you, Lord, that you instruct us through your word. We're thankful, Father, for um, the the power that it has, that it is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, that it cuts deep down inside of us, but Lord, it also heals and restores. Lord, that it corrects wrong thinking and, and Father, it gives a solid foundation and a base for the church to stand upon. And so, Father, as we come to this time where we hear from the Word, I pray that our hearts are open, that the Spirit moves in our lives and and teaches us and helps us to understand what You have to say to us now through Your Word. Thank You for this body of believers. Father, for what You have done here for what you are doing and what you will do and what you will use them to do. Thank you for their pastor that he, week in and week out, teaches and preaches the word faithfully. Lord, that he loves you and he stays close to you. And Lord, I pray that you would use him in the ministry here at this church to bring glory to your name. Father, to affect this community for the sake of the gospel. So, Lord, we come and we, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Give me a second. Now, so I want us to look this morning from First Timothy, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter 3. In, in, in this letter that Paul is writing, there, there is this sense of urgency that, that he is addressing Timothy with. It's a sense of urgency that any pastor feels from time to time. It's a sense of urgency that a few months ago when I was speaking to our youth at, at, at Pleasant Dale Baptist Church, when I was speaking to that group, it's an urgency that came upon me as, as I was watching these kids sing and knowing that what I was about to do has eternal weight. It, 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 knowing that I'm about to open the Word of God and speak to these kids and, and knowing that there is something that they need to hear from the Bible. It's that sense of urgency that we see uh, Paul writing this letter to Timothy. He, he's writing this, this letter between 64 and 65 A.D. And, and most think that he's writing it from a Roman prison and he knows that his time on earth is coming to an end. He, he's, he's in a Roman prison awaiting his death. And, and so not only is he urgent in his message, but he gets personal with, with Timothy. 
he's, he's passing along this ministry to Timothy, knowing that his apostolic ministry is coming to an end, and the ministry that's going to go forward is going to go through, going to go forward through uh, people like Timothy, and, and, and much like the letter that he writes to Titus as well, that it will go through and the church will be sustained through men like Titus and men like Timothy. And so there's an urgency that Paul has, and, and you hear this urgency, even in this letter that he writes, you hear this urgency in chapter 4. He says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. He, he is getting at the idea that my time is coming to an end. Timothy, you're about to be, you're about to be in the thick of this. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say to you. This letter, again, is a personal plea uh, to Paul. As I said, he gets urgent, but he also gets personal. He, he makes this personal plea to Paul as, as a son in the faith. Listen to what he says at the beginning of the letter. He says to Timothy, this is verse 2, to Timothy, my beloved child. Timothy, my beloved child. You don't write those words if this is someone that you have not known and if this is someone that, that you've developed a relationship with and clearly it is Paul speaking more in a fatherly tone to Timothy, instructing, encouraging, but also warning and guiding. In this letter, he challenges Timothy to stand firm in the faith, to stand firm as everything around you it, it seems to be changing, as these imposters and false teachers come around you, as the times begin to change and it looks very dark, he's saying, Timothy, stand firm in the faith. And he will encourage him further and we'll, we'll look more into that in, in this section of Scripture that we're going to look at. He, again, he addresses and makes this letter personal. He says to Timothy, my beloved child, he says in verse 3 of chapter 1, I thank God as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. He says in verse 4, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. He says in chapter 1, verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith. He has this desire to see Timothy again, to see this this young man who he has helped to raise up in the faith. In this section of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning, in verses 10 through, through 17, we're going to follow Paul's warning to Timothy. And he's warning Timothy of difficult days ahead in the last days, that there will be godlessness that, that springs up, that there's going to be the, uh, in, in people, you're going to see a life that is uncharacteristic, of a godly person, that you're going to see godlessness all around you, and you're even going to see it manifest itself in the church. And so Paul, in chapter 3, in the, in, in the first part of chapter 3, he lays out about 20 character traits 
of the godless in the last days. He, he says there will appear, there will be those who will, who will appear godly. They'll look like it. They'll talk like it. They'll act like it. But in actuality, they're not. There will be false teachers that will arise. There, there are men who will oppose the truth. Men with corrupt minds. If, if we weren't aware that Paul was writing this in 64, 65 AD, we would think that he's writing that to us. And indeed, we can say as the church that this is the living word of God. Paul is directing his attention to the church today as well. So this letter that he is writing is just as relevant in our time as it was in Timothy's time. And he's warning Timothy, as, as anyone who has a child would warn of the dangers of, of being out too late or the dangers of, of driving drunk or the dangers of this, of this activity, he's, he's warning Timothy as his child in faith of the dangers that lay ahead. But he's, but he's going to remind him of the foundation that's already there in Timothy's life. It's over the next few moments we're going to look at the Christian's response. The Christian's response in an age of godlessness. Now, in, in this time that we live, you may have heard that it's said that these are the last days. And the last days began when Jesus ascended into heaven. We live in a, in a time where the evil continues to show itself. It, it, it seems like evil gets worse and worse each day. And our society, um, certainly in, in my um, almost 38 years of living, the society has changed even in that short period of time. And, and many of you can say the same that in your lifetime, things that were taboo when you were, when you were growing up are, are considered okay today. So what is our response when everything around us changes, what is our response when what the Bible says is off limits, the world says is okay? What is our response? What is our response when we hear false teaching and anything that's opposed to God's word? What is our response? Well, Paul gives us some, some clear, um, he gives us some clear guidance here. And I think the first thing we're going to look at is follow godly examples. Follow godly examples. Look at verses 10 through 11. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Now, if, if, you, if you think back in, in your life, there, there's been a godly influence or a godly example in your life. You, you are here today because of someone that God used to make an impact upon your life. In, 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 in this section of the Scripture, we transition from what... Paul has been talking about with Timothy and, and telling him of these, of these traits that you're going to see uh, of, of ungodly people and ungodly living. 
we transition from that, we transition from um, this, this idea of men who will oppose the truth and who are corrupted in mind, who have disqualified themselves regarding the faith, we transition from that back to, from the negative back to the positive. And, and he says, you, however, Timothy, you, Timothy, you followed my teaching. You, you've been around me, Timothy, and you know the doctrine that I have passed along to you. You, you know the, the sound doctrine that I have given to you. And so I ask you, what, what are we teaching? What is it that this church teaches? If, if, it's, if it's anything other than the Word of God, then it's not teaching what is in, in, in accordance with God's Word. If it's anything outside of the Bible, then it's wrong. Sound doctrine is what the church is to build itself upon. You've seen that. You've experienced that as a church. I, I can tell you that there are many churches um, struggling today because there's no one teaching faithful doctrine. There's no one faithfully preaching the Bible. Many churches are struggling today because of that. Paul told the church at Ephesus in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, he told them that he did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God's work. He told them, I did not shrink from, from declaring the whole counsel of God's work. He also tells Timothy, he says, keep a close watch. This is, in, this is in the first letter that he wrote to Timothy. He says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching." And so I would say to you, church, to be on guard against that. I, I, I know Patrick pretty well, and I don't, I don't hesitate to, to say that Patrick is teaching sound doctrine. Uh, I, I've gotten to know him. We spent time together uh, in small group. And, and so I, I feel very confident in saying that when he stands to teach and to preach, that what you are hearing is what's in accordance with God's Word. And I would say to you that in, in the last days, as things become more ungodly, you will see the church begin to fold and shrink away from the doctrine as more and more pressure is put on it. The true church will stand and proclaim what is, uh, what is true doctrine. And, and Paul goes on here and he says... You, Timothy, you see and you will see what's going on around you. But you know you have followed my teaching. You have followed my conduct. You, you've seen the way that, that I have lived, Timothy. And, and the way that I have lived, Timothy, is not in contradiction to what I have preached and what I have taught. And so, church, I would say to you that the world outside quite often calls us hypocrites because we declare one thing with our mouths, but yet we live another way. And so I would ask you, has this doctrine that you've learned through your life, has it taken hold of your life? Because if it has, if the gospel has taken a hold of your life, then it will impact 
not only what you believe, but it will impact how you live that out. And he says, you know what I've taught. You know the way that I've lived, that my preaching and my teaching, that it's not contradicting the way that, that I live. He says, he goes on to say, you know my aim in life. You know how I have, how, how Paul has, has been uh, on the mission and he has gone on all these missionary journeys. His aim in life was to bring glory to God. It was for the sake of the gospel. He left, uh, he left so much behind and suffered so much for the sake of the gospel. And he says, you know what my aim has been. Timothy, you follow in that same, in that same path. Stay the course in proclaiming the gospel. He says, you know my faith. You, you know where my faith has been, where my trust has been. It has been in Christ and in Christ alone. He, he says, you know the patience that I've had. You've seen that. Paul was patient with the churches that he had gone to, patient with the people who just didn't get it. And he wrote letters to those churches who, who Paul had connections with. He, he would write letters to, to, to correct um, something that was going on in the church. Paul showing a, a, a patience for those people. He, he, he says, you know my love for, um, not only for Christ, but you know my love for the lost. And he says, continue, Timothy, in that same love. Uh, th- this love that would drive Paul at all costs. In shipwreck and in abandonment and in imprisonment. This same love that would drive Paul to preach the gospel even to those um, who, who would persecute him. And he says, you know of my steadfastness. You know of this long suffering that I've had in the patience of great suffering and great persecution. You know this long suffering that I've had with these churches that just don't get it. That I have to keep writing letters to. That I have to keep correcting a false doctrine and, and wrong belief. And he says, you know of my persecutions and sufferings, Timothy. You know that I have suffered these things for the sake of the gospel. And he says all of these things knowing that Timothy had, had seen this in action. That he had been in these, in these places with him. That he had seen him at, at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra. That, again, there is an intimate personal relationship that Paul and Timothy have. And in a way, Paul is reminding Timothy of that. That You and I have walked together. I have passed along what I know to you. You, Timothy, continue in that. As everything around you changes, and as the world reaches out and tells you to go in a different direction, you follow you follow the foundation that is already there in your life. I think he's using it as a way to encourage Timothy as well. Knowing, of all people, Paul knows. Paul knows of the sufferings and persecutions. He knows the, the, the difficulties that Timothy's about to face within the church. He knows that false doctrine and false teachers will arise. And he's using this as a source of encouragement uh, to Timothy. And he's saying, you have followed me. Remember the example that I set for you. And so I, I would say to you as, as a church, 
Who is it that who is it that you have in your life that's an example now? You say, I don't think we ever get too old to to learn. And, and I don't think we ever get too old to need someone in our life who's leading us in a godly way. And so I would ask you, who who is it that is in your life leading you and, and being a godly example for you? Paul here is warning Timothy and the church that false teachers are going to arise within the church. He's, he's warning them that godlessness is is going to run rampant around him, that culture is going to look different, society will look different, but he's saying stand firm. Stand firm and know what you believe. Stand firm in the example that you've seen. And he goes on to say, I think here, you've seen the godly example. But he goes on to say, one of the things I want us to look at is, is, is that we persevere through godly living. We persevere through godly living. In verses 12 to 13, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The church believes a certain thing. This church, um, you, you confess this morning what you believe. This church has been taught for many years what it believes. And I can tell you that if you stand upon what you believe, and if you preach and teach what you believe, and if your conduct reflects what you believe, church, you will be ridiculed. You, you will be persecuted for what you believe. If you take a stand where God's Word stands, it will be persecuted. If you say that God's Word is the standard for, for which you live, you, you will be persecuted. If you call out false teaching, you will be persecuted. But I think one of the things that's greatly important in this is actually what Paul says at the end of verse 11. He reminds Timothy of the persecutions that he's endured. And he says, yet the Lord has rescued me from them all. And, and certainly in Paul's life, he had been spared and, and had been rescued. And there are many who would read this verse and go to, go to a dangerous place, go to the mission field. And there are many who would go, who would go to the mission field and lose their life. And, and how could you say that they have been rescued from this? Well, think about it in this way, that for those who are in Christ, to be taken out of this life, out of the, the sufferings and the struggles, and, and to go home to be with the Lord, that is a great, a great reward. And so indeed it is, in a way, being rescued from the persecution that you would face. But Paul, in his life, had, had seen persecution, and he had lived as best he could a, a godly life. And he is saying to Timothy, if this is what you strive to do, if this is your desire, 
to live a life that is pleasing to God, to live a life that is pursuing holiness, to live a life that is uh, being conformed to the image of Christ, to live a life that's being empowered by the Spirit and not by the flesh, then you will face persecution. You will face the, the sufferings and the trials of this life. Why? Because there are people who just don't understand what it is that we're about and what we do. He says, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. It will get worse, is what he's saying to Timothy. It may look bad, but it will get worse. And you'll see and hear of deception and that, that deceiving will continue. And so he says, be ready for whatever may come your way, for whatever mockery and ridicule and persecution may come your way. Be ready for that. Now, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom there. But I think too often the church gets a little bit too comfortable. And I'm thankful that we live in a, in a nation where we do have freedoms. But I think we should be careful with that and, and not allow ourselves to get too complacent and too comfortable. But indeed, we should be striving to live a life that is pleasing to God, that represents and reflects Christ to a lost generation that needs to hear the gospel. And if that's the way we live, if that's the way that we live, then we will face uh, we will face judgment and ridicule and persecution from a world who just doesn't understand that. But he says, another response for us, he says, continue in what you have learned. Verses 14 through 15. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now I admit when I when I study this this passage, I, I often think of um, the people that God has placed in my life um, and, and what I've learned from them, and, and and Paul is is going to address that in a way with Timothy, and he he says to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. Timothy, again, had been taught the Word of God. He, he didn't know, just know these things. He had come to believe these things that he had been taught. This, just, this wasn't just, I, I think I know these things. These were firmly held convictions that Timothy had. And what he, what he believed and what he had come to know was secure and it was settled in his heart. And so Paul is reminding him, remember these firmly held convictions. Remember what you have, what you have learned and, and, and come to believe. Even as there are those who are deceiving and being deceived, you continue in what you've been taught. You continue in the way that you have been raised in the faith. 
saying live out what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, what you, as the King James says, what you have been assured of. It's not just a, not just a thought for Timothy. This is a certainty for him that he believes and knows these things. And remember, Paul says, knowing whom you have learned it. And I think he's referencing here several things. He's referencing to Timothy himself and the relationship that he and Paul have had. Again, I remind you of, of, of the language that you use of, of beloved child. You have learned and believed these certain things. You, you, you've become assured of them. You've become assured of what I have taught you and, and, and how I have lived before you, the example that I've set before you. But I think it's also in this of knowing, um, knowing who you have learned it from. I think it's also referencing back to what Paul says earlier in the letter about Timothy's life and the, and, and the ladies that were in, the women that were in his life. He says in, in um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And, and see, this, this for me is where I connect with what Paul is saying. And for many of you, I think you could say the same thing. That right here, you're connecting with, with, with what Paul is saying to Timothy. Because of... Because I had two... Lois's. I had two women, that, two grandmothers that were godly, that if I stayed at their house, there, there weren't many nights that would go by that we didn't have a, a devotion or my grandmother wasn't going through her Sunday school lesson for the next day. There is a, a godly heritage there with those two women that they would pray for me. And not only, uh, not only did they just say that, but I knew that. And I, 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 I understand what Paul is saying to Timothy when he talks about his mother Eunice and reminding him of these two women, of Lois and Eunice. I've got a Eunice. I've got a, a, a woman who has raised me and has taught me the things of God. Not only that, I, I've got my dad who has taught me these things as well. And, and I understand I give thanks to God for that, and I understand that there, there are people in, in, in this time who never had that. Who, who never had a mom and a dad who, who shared the things and passed along the things of faith. But like I said early on, like I said early on, somebody in this room had a Paul in their life. If you didn't have a Lois and a Eunice, you certainly had a Paul speaking into your life. You had some godly Christian man or woman who came along in your life and shared the things that they had learned from God, that shared the experiences that they had had with God. And, and so for me, this is where I connect with what Paul is, is, is telling Timothy. He's reminding him of the godly heritage that he came from. Not only the heritage, but what these women taught you. They taught you the scriptures, he says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned. 
I, I, I want to stop here too, and, and I remember as I was studying the, this passage, I, I thought of I thought of so many people um, that God has used in my life. But I thought of a man you don't know him. That's okay. His name is His name is John Benson, and my mom and dad know who he is. John Benson was a carpenter. I don't even think he graduated from high school. I was in high school myself, and he was my Sunday school teacher, and it was just me and him. And and I think about this often. This man could have said, I only have one person in this class. I'm not going to teach that class. But he did it anyway, every week. And he didn't just, we didn't just talk. This man, he would come into class, and he would open this book. He would open the Bible. And we would study the scriptures together. And I will tell you that God used John Benson to call me in. He's one of the he's one of the examples of the people that God used to call me into ministry. And so again, I, I would say to you, there is someone that you've had in your life that came alongside of you and taught you the things of God. But let me stretch, let me push that a bit further. Maybe there's someone in your life right now that God is, is, is leading you to to pass these things along to. There's a relationship that Katie and I have had with this couple that we met down, at, uh, down in Lancaster, South Carolina at the church that we go to. We've gotten to know this couple. They've got, a, they've got about a seven-month-old little girl. and um, the, These two, they've, they've not been believers very long um, but there there is a hunger that they have to know the things of God and and I'll get texts from him several times a day throughout the week he'll be asking me questions and sometimes sometimes I have to stop and really think about what he's asking because he, he's wanting to know these things but I, I, I say that to you to say that maybe there's someone that God has placed in your life and, and he's saying to you you, here is someone for you to pass the faith along to. Here is someone for you to teach the things of God to. Here is, as Paul, here is your Timothy that he's giving to you to, to teach sound doctrine to, to show how to live out this faith that we have. And he goes on and he says that, knowing who you learned it from and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Notice the importance of the Bible in our teaching. Notice the importance of the Bible not only in our teaching but I think also in, 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 in how young Someone is. I was telling you of our of our friends that we've gotten to know, and uh, me and the guy's name. The guy's name is TJ. He and I have talked uh, a lot about their little girl and and how to teach their girl the scriptures. And, and, and see, this is the desire that, that that mom and dad have that they want to take the Bible and teach their little girl what it says. Not only that, but they want their little girl to come to know Jesus. And they want their girl to be raised in the faith. I would say to you, church, that 
what we what we teach, what we preach. The Bible must be at the forefront of what we do. I, I, I heard Alistair Begg. Uh, Al, Alistair Begg is, 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 is one that, that I enjoy listening to. And, and, and I heard him talking about the, the reason that the pulpit is where it's at. That the reason that it's in the center of, of the auditorium and, and, and the reason that it's facing the direction that it is is because we are giving a primacy to the Bible. That we believe that it is central to what we do in our worship. That when we that when we stand here, that we open the word, that this is an important and necessary and urgent task. And so very quickly, I, I am not going to uh, I am not going to get to uh, uh, address verses sixteen and seventeen in the, in, in the way that uh, the way that I would like to. But Paul reminds. Timothy, of what you have learned from childhood and what you've become acquainted with in the sacred writings. And he says that these sacred writings, they're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And I think this is, this is where I'm going to stop with, uh, I'm not going to go to, to verses 16 and 17, I don't like to, for time's sake. But he, he says here that the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through Faith in Christ Jesus. Now, this is this is an important statement because God has chosen to reveal Himself through the Word. It's through the, the Scriptures that we that we get to see the character of who God is. It's it's through the Scriptures that we get to know of His holiness. That as as some of the the, the great writers before have said, we get to know of the majesty of God. Through the scriptures, we get to know of this God who has created the world and all that all that we see, and and, and He has created us. And as Scripture says, that He has created us in His image, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we get to know of the God because of the Bible. We get to know of who He is, but we also get to know of our sinfulness and how far apart we are from God through the Bible. It is the Bible who helps us to see uh, our relation to God. The fact that He is holy and that apart from Him we are unholy. It shows us of His perfection and it shows us of our sinfulness. But not only that, it shows us how we are made right with God. It shows us, yes, that we are separated and apart from Him, but it shows us how to get back to Him. It says in Scripture that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but He, God, has made us alive together with Christ. It is through the Scriptures that we are shown these things, that we are shown the need for a Savior. It is through Scripture that we are shown that we are sinners. And this is how we are made wise for salvation, that God uses His Word as it is declared and as it is, as it is preached and as it is taught. He uses it to open up our eyes, the, the, the eyes of our hearts to see that we are deeply in trouble and that we need a Savior. So it is in this way that Scripture makes us wise for salvation. And it is in all of this 
that Paul is reminding Timothy. At the end of the day, no matter what happens around you, you can hang your life and your ministry on the fact of this word. Of what the Bible says, you can, you can take that to the bank every time. And so I would ask you, church, as things change around us, as our as it just looks chaotic, right? And, and many times it doesn't make sense uh, of, of what's going on. Many times um, our political system, we don't understand it. Uh, we don't understand what's going on it, with, um, with 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 all the all the, the bad things that we see. Trust this. Trust that there is a God who is taking us through it. As Paul, as, as Paul knew, uh, as Paul had faced a lot of this and had faced false teaching, had faced troubles in the church, he had faced persecutions and sufferings at each step of the way. He knew that he could trust the God who had called him to ministry. He could trust the God who had saved him. He could trust the God who was leading him. And I would say to you, church, let's continue placing our trust in him. Let's continue preaching and teaching the word of God. Let that be what the church stands on, what the church stands on for doctrine, what we look to for the, the direction and the way that we're, that we're intended to live our lives as, as followers of Christ, as we desire to live godly lives that are pleasing to Him. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to You thankful for this day. We thank You for Your Word. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to understand it. Father, as, as Christians, we, we have the Spirit to guide us Help us to understand what you have told us. Lord, help us to stand firm on what we believe, what we have come to know, what we can be assured of and what we are certain of. God, help us to be people who are passing this, this word along to those who are with us, to those who come behind us. Father, help us to be the people who who are seeking and desiring to live godly lives in a, in a world that is chaotic and becoming less and less godly each day. We give you thanks. We give you praise. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Michael Black's going to come and, and lead us in communion. <coughs> This is the more part of the service where we're going to take communion together. Uh, Ron's in the back. You don't have the elements cup. Just raise your hand. We'll get that to you. Uh, tables for believers. And if you're here today and uh, that's not you, just rather than participate in this with us, Ask that you consider Christ. Only Jesus can save. He was sent here as a rescue mission. 
pay the ultimate sacrifice, shedding his blood to cover our sins. So ponder this truth and believe. Why do we take communion? Why do we do it every week? We consume the bread, drink the cup. It signifies that we're united together as a body of believers with our Lord. Not only that, but it gives us an opportunity to respond to the preaching of the word that I gave today. It's remembering what Christ has done and promises to do in the future for his people. This is a time of repentance and confession, as well as celebration and rejoicing. So as a believer, member of the body of Christ, you're welcome to take at the table. Just do it carefully. There's sin that needs to be repented of, confessed. It's going to take some time to do that now, just real briefly. body of Christ given to us as a sacrifice. He was beaten, whipped, scourged, pierced. All our sins have been forgiven by his sacrifice. We've been rescued and we've been brought together around the table in fellowship with our Savior. So take, eat the body of Christ given for you. After Christ was crucified, he died on the cross and was buried in a tomb. The third day, he victoriously rose from the dead. So in this cup, it's a celebration because Jesus is no longer dead. He is risen. And because of this, we are united with him in his death. We also share in his victory. He has promised to return and he has promised to be with us. We anxiously wait his, this king's return to the king. Our closing hymn is on page 501. Please stand. Guide me, thou, O great Jehovah.
benediction together each week. Jesus has given us a command, and we boldly carry it out, knowing that he is with us. Let's say the Great Commission together, affirming our mission for this upcoming week. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, going grace.